Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is good to have you with us another evening, another weeknight, reflecting into the richness of our faith. Tonight, Thursday night, we have the opportunity to continue to uh, dive deeper into uh, more reasons to believe. Uh, Thursday night is devoted to apologetics. Uh, my guest Rob and I, we, we decided to run with Scott Hahn's work, Reasons to Believe, and kind of reflect out from that work. We're in chapter three. We're, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, uh, Thomas Aquinas and get into the meaning of atheism. So Rob, uh, good to have you with me tonight. Great to be back, Joe. Rob, you know, as we move from one subject matter to the next, uh, what we're doing is we're, we're building the foundation. Uh, and, and in that foundation, we, we always go back to the first principle, 1 Peter 3.15, that for everything that we talk about, when we engage our brothers and sisters in Christ, we always do it in gentleness and reverence. In that, we must always be ready to uh, give an account, a defense of our faith. Um, and that defense is, is always, as Pope Benedict says, <laughs> a life that lays his life down for the sake of Christ. I mean, that's always the first invitation that we offer for our brothers and sisters in Christ. But he does give us an intellect, and he does call us to engage in, in conversation and dialogue. Uh, so tonight we're going to look at uh, some things a little closer, maybe provoke some new thoughts for our listeners, and again, not to prove definitively for our listeners, oh, God must exist because Robert Joe said that, but that we might ultimately plant more seeds. Radio is not a perfect relational ministry. You and I are in the presence of one another, Rob, but there are a lot of listeners out there that uh, we don't see them, say, per se, physically. But we can create a kind of quasi-dialogue by planting seeds and then asking God new questions. Then they might come back next week and the following week and, and so on. So uh, with that, just uh, in opening point in regards to what lies at the heart of our subject matter, atheism, and that's this. You know, in the ancient world, the word atheism was tied to the denial of an orth uh, orthodox God, the one true God. Um, so it was not until, Rob, the 19th century that we have the denial of any divinity at all. And I open up with that because there is a tendency today to hear a word and think it means what it actually doesn't mean. And we could uh, adhere to the advice of one Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. You keep Inconceivable! <laughs> you keep using that word, but it does not mean what you think it means. And ultimately, atheism is that we, we have this idea that for, for 2,000 years, we've been sitting on Thomas Aquinas's proofs, but that's not the case. So I bring this out because with Thomas Aquinas, he was living during a time where, you know, there was a rise in geometry. Uh, certainly it was already in place, but there was a lot of new points to it. The science of math was everywhere. 
And so he gives us his five ways, or what many of us know as five proofs of God. But we have to be careful about how we are thinking about this word proof. When we hear the word proof, we usually associate with that, well, Joe's going to talk about, Rob's going to talk about a, a proof today. They're going to prove God exists. No, it was an invitation to better understand God's natural world. So we have to appreciate the time in which St. Thomas Aquinas lived. And I talk about this in opening because if we don't have our history in place, things can get a little sloppy, you know, so we have to be careful of that. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You look back at Aristotle, when he was put on trial, it, it was for, for atheism. And, yes. and, and this, yes. is, this, is, this is pre-Christian. This is ancient Greeks. And, and atheism was, was such a bizarre thing to them that, that they would put someone on trial and, and condemn them to death by, uh, by poison. Like you said, atheism, it's something that's very, very new. Yeah. Sure, maybe, maybe one or two people, but not, not huge movements like we have now. Why don't we jump into, Rob, St. Thomas's first way or invitation, if you will, as we'll call them. And this is um, the, the, the invitation from motion or the argument from motion. Okay, It proceeds from a very simple fact that everything in the world that we experience and know undergoes change, proceeding from the potential to the actual. Everything moves or changes. Yet, and this is what is at the heart of it, nothing moves or changes itself. Everything that moves must be moved by something already in motion, hence the argument from motion or invitation from motion. But this change of motion cannot regress infinitely. An infinite change of movers would not suffice to explain the motion itself. Basically, it must have a beginning that is unmoved, and that is what we call God. And so this is uh, Dr. Hahn Briggs is open, and he offers an analogy we'll talk about, and then we'll get into some other analogies. It's the train analogy. He says, imagine that you drive up to a railroad crossing, only to find a train passing by. You see boxcar after boxcar after boxcar, first dozens of them and then hundreds of them. We've seen those in Chico, Rob. Oh, sure, sure. <laughs> you arrived as the train was already in motion, so you never saw the engine. But you must infer that the train has an engine because if you see a train in motion, you know that something is moving it. An engine is pulling it. If you try to solve the problem by positing an infinite series of boxcars, you haven't done away with the need for explaining the motion itself. Again, what is he doing here, Rob? He's applying the principle of logic. Logic is the instrument to reason. Okay. And he's given us this so that we might think more critically about the world around us so we can discover God. So, as he says, uh, you, not, you not only have not done away with the need for explaining motion, but you really enlarged the problem infinitely. <laughs> If you deny the existence of the engine, then you've enlarged the need to find a much bigger and extraordinary cause for the motion of such a long line of boxcars. And ultimately, Rob, this train analogy casts light upon St. Thomas's second way, which speaks to the causality, the efficient causality, which gets back into the infinite regressing, drawing back. As we talk about this, we can begin to see 
through the principle of logic, we can begin to acquire a deeper understanding of, yeah, you know what? Something is going on here. Something is bigger here. You know, we need to stop. And we were just talking just an hour ago of how today we have this tendency to get so wrapped up in our lives that we just don't stop. We don't pause and just contemplate God's beauty or even think critically about the world around us. We just get so busy. You know, I had an old uh, professor, you know, he, he says, you know, there's something called the demon of busyness. We just get in a rush. There's a rise in atheism, Rob, because we don't think critically. Yeah, when you, when you think critically about an analogy like this, yeah, you know what? He makes a good point. You only enlarge the problem infinitely. And this is something to think about. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, and um, you, you were talking about stopping to pause. And that's kind of why I, I find retreats are so important into, into, into getting in, deepening your faith. Getting away up to the mountains, you're, you're, you're surrounded by God's majesty and beauty. And you can take some time to contemplate nature, God, the universe. Um, and, and it causes you to do a little detective work, too. You were talking about uh, the, the second proof, causality. And when I look at the universe and, and where we are in the universe, I think of like a big Rube Goldberg machine. And for those of you who don't know what those are, if you ever had the game Mousetrap when you were a kid, that's a Rube Goldberg mm-hmm. machine. Or if you've mm-hmm. seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he's got this, you know, he knocks over a domino, which falls onto a lighter which lights a candle which burns a rope which causes something to fall in a bowling ball and all of a sudden you have a bowl of cereal through this big overly complex machine we're coming into this we're in the bowl of cereal and there's this big giant mess around us of unrelated stuff of of dominoes and bowling balls and uh and we've got to do this detective work to see, okay, we're here spinning at so many miles per hour on the planet Earth at this access. And if we, if we start going back through these causes, doing this detective work, we see the Rube Goldberg machine for what it is and how yeah. God set things into motion and set that. He's, he's the prime cause, yeah. the prime cause, and we're just, we're just the bowl of cereal. Yeah. <laughs> In a matter of speaking, yeah, yeah. And you start to think about this, it really lends itself to, again, new questions lead to new beginnings. Questions that are rooted in truth, when by that I mean applying the principle of logic, and always within the context of faith, the, the discovery is mind-blowing. And it doesn't always have to come from always the, the overwhelming critical thought. I mean, I don't know, Rob, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls or if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. I mean, who sits before the Niagara Falls, or stands and looks over the Grand Canyon and said, yeah, God blew this one. <laughs> yeah, I've seen better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, of course not. You just stand in awe of the power and the greatness of God. And you say, wow, God, God is just showing off. <laughs> you know, ultimately, when you start looking at the majesty of God, I, just through the night, I was doing some research on something, and I, I hit an, an image link, and it brought up all of these uh, natural wonders of God. Oh my gosh. Natural beauty. No, no, nothing created by man, just natural beauty. If it's a canyon, if it's a body of water, and there's an argument for God from beauty. But there is that need to just say, wow, you know, there's something going on here. And of course, uh, I think it was Peter Kreft who says, uh, you know, if you needed any more proofs for God, just listen to Bach. 
you know, God exists. Yeah. You know, I, I think for our listeners out there, Rob, we've, we've all experienced that. You know, you listen to something, it just stops you. It stops you in your tracks. I have three, now four kids, and my um, older two, they, they're taking piano lessons and, and learning how to read music, and they've really acquired that ear. And it's fascinating to watch them when they hear something that is just pure and lovely music. It just draws them in. And I know for some, we say music is a, a style, but who doesn't like Bach? Who doesn't like Mozart? Who doesn't? It might not be what we go to, you know, but there's something about that classical music that draws us into the mystery and beauty of truth. I dare say proof in it or invitation from God in it. Oh, I, 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 I remember the, the time I was fortunate enough to go to the Vatican back for the, for the Jubilee mm, and seeing mm. the, the Pieta and yeah. just the waterworks start. And, and you, you're looking at this piece of art, this, this hunk of marble, and you feel your heart get like 10 times bigger and you don't know why and your chest constricts. And, and that's, that's the beauty the the ancients used to say that, that because we generally have, for the most part, we kind of can agree on what is beautiful. So there mm. must be some absolute standard of beauty, some yeah. absolute standard of beauty. And these beauties in nature and that man creates, all of them lead us to that one prime beauty. And mm. that is God, the, the, the beauty that is God. I used to think it was strange when, Songs at Mass would talk about how beautiful God was yeah, because yeah. <laughs> usually, you know, I only think of my wife as being yeah. beautiful or my children, but God is beauty incarnate. Uh, the essence. Absolutely. Yeah, the, 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 the essence of beauty. And that's even, and you, you're into art, Rob, of course. And art, you know, when you look at, you bring up the Pietan and other art pieces, what is happening to us when we are drawn to the piece? What is happening inside of us when we stop what we're doing and at a glance see something and we're drawn to it? You know, we are wired for God. We're creating the image and likeness of God, Rob. Wired for God. We're wired for God in the beauty of truth. One of the things that um, you know, they're talking about in Vatican, Pope Francis, is we really need to restore in the mission of the church and, and her evangelization the beauty of truth in her art, uh, and, and in every capacity that has been given to us to stir the imagination, you know, to get us thinking more critically about God, just not by what we say, but also by what we draw. And so uh, this is important. And in the end, you know, where does this leave us? You know, <laughs> it's to say, Rob, that to believe that God, God does not exist is a greater leap of faith to believe that he does exist, if that makes sense. Oh, it absolutely <laughs> makes sense. I mean, and it really goes back to what we were saying with regards to Poliani last week, this trust. You're throwing yourself out there to suggest that there is no prime mover, that there is no first cause cause, if you will. And it leaves us with the, with the ultimate uh, point Either, either God exists or he doesn't. Either Christ came as the Savior of the world or he didn't. And this is the question we need to take up in all of this. Lest we get lost out here somewhere in, in just trying to debate 
one point. It all boils down to either he exists or he doesn't. You know, I mean, you think about it critically, thinking critically, Rob. Think about what Jesus said to his followers. A leader of the kingdom says to his followers, I promise you suffering. I promise you trial. I promise you persecution. I promise all of these things. No money, no material wealth. Come follow me. What king does that? (laughs) What emperor does that? And of course, as you and I know, Rob, and all of our listeners, it is the one kingdom that has withstood the test of time. The great line from Albert Einstein, you know, when he says, what I once hated and despised in the Catholic Church, I now have a great affection for because it has withstood the test of time. It's a great quote. You know, Alexander the Great, the greatest king, right? No one conquered more land than him. Genghis Khan, we think of these figures. Napoleon, they're only in history books now, Rob. <laughs> you know, and here the church remains. Uh, and and it, it's a proof. It's an invitation to, to our listeners uh, and for all of us to think more critically, well, gosh, if that's the case, yeah, I mean, he was either a radical who died on a cross or he was a very meek man who died a, a horrible death. You know, well, he was the second, but there's a reason behind it, right? So we need to think about this more critically. Yeah, uh, you, it's, uh, you talked about... Um, we look at the apostles and each one of them, you know, they followed him and, and all save John died a pretty horrible death. I mean, you, you yeah. talk, you talk about proofs and invitations. That's, that's one to consider is, 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 uh, here's a leader. He's like, Hey, yep. let's go die. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's why Pope Benedict, uh, Pope Emeritus Benedict sixteen said that, as we noted in the opening, the most powerful and lasting invitation from God is the man or woman who lays down his life. You know, um, there's the wonderful story of, of, of uh, as Peter's dying, he's reaching out, uh, he sees his wife, and, you know, he's reaching out to her, he's crying, screaming, remember the Lord Jesus. You know, I mean, there's, there's something about the witness itself that really points us to to ask new questions, new beginnings. This is what this is all about. If we can do that, you know, we, we can spend a lot of time on the invitation of, of the martyrs because really that was the seed of the church. In fact, Tertullian, uh, and, and now a popular quote says, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. We talk about planting seeds here on this radio program. Well, there you have it. You know, the blood of the martyrs is, is the seed of the church. Because out from that death, you know, sprung forth new life. And, and again, this is what we're, at, what we're about, Rob. I mean, as we're talking about proofs, invitations, ways, it's really to advance the conversation to get the, to the heart of it. You know, even atheism today and, and all of the atheists who travel abroad debating uh, in, in secular schools and even, you know, Catholic schools as well, really, um, on the existence of God and, and 
because they're so convincing, you know, to some people they no longer believe in God. There's one thing that has always stood out to me, that if you look at these atheists, and this is documented in a book, actually, Faith of the Fatherless, if you look at these men uh, and women, um, there's profound, profound wounds in their past. I was watching EWTN a couple years ago, and there was a counselor on who, uh, a Christian counselor who's dealt with atheism, and, and so they were talking about how um, he handles the conversation of belief in God, but he made the point in the end, they don't believe in God for a reason, and it's not, it's not, and I'm letting the cat out of the bag because God hasn't given us enough reason to believe in him, right? It's because, because of something that has happened in their childhood, and they have not sought reconciliation. And, you know, Rob, this really is what lies at the heart of it. You know, asking the atheistic professor, why do you hate God? Yeah. <laughs> because that's what lies underneath it all. Well, it, I mean, a little bit from my, from my testimony, I, I didn't believe in God up in, uh, for quite a long time. I'm, I'm a convert to Catholicism from atheism, and I didn't believe in God because of what I went through in my childhood. Mm-hmm. But ah, oh, thanks be to God, he mm-hmm. he slapped me upside the head, and 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 you know, athe- If if you if you take atheism to its to its logical conclusion, it it is a belief in something. It's, yep. it's a belief in luck. Yep. You you are rather than taking the leap of faith that there is some intelligence out there, some divinity that we call God, this this prime mover. You're choosing not to believe in that, and and you're choosing to believe that we are here on the roll of the dice with with all these things we talked about earlier, the earth tilting one degree. If the universe expanded just a little bit faster or slower, we wouldn't be here. We're believing in luck if we're choosing not to believe in God. And as Obi-Wan said, in my experience, there's no such thing as luck. (laughs) There you go, Rob. And you you know... (laughs) How often have we heard, but only if he just showed me, you know, only if we saw, I mean, think about something for a second, Rob, God through the hand of Moses split up a very large body of water to be saved from Egypt. Um, that's a pretty convincing argument he exists. Why do we bring this up? Because it wasn't too far later that they were screaming and crying. What's God going to, what, you know, miserly. I mean, they were just, <laughs> the Old Testament is one tale after another of them complaining. And you know, the New Testament, think about it. Doubting the, Thomas. It, yeah, well, the Doubting Thomas and really the apostles themselves. They see all of these great things. And then he starts talking about, you need to eat of the flesh, drink the blood. And they're like, man, for all that we just saw, Jesus, you know, you raised the dead. That was a good one. Uh, and, you know, the blind man, uh, all of that. That was fantastic. But what, what are you saying? They saw all these things, but they still lacked faith, Rob. So much so that after they slept with them, drank with them, ate, ate with them, all, saw all these miracles... After he said what he said in John 6, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood to have eternal life. 
They abandon him. Read the end of chapter 6. They abandon him, which in of itself is a point that this isn't something symbolic. Right? So we say, well, oh, only if I saw. But in the end, in the end, what does that really mean? God gives us plenty of opportunities to see, for us to see him and for us to see how he works in wonderful ways. And we just need to stop again. It's stopping ourselves in our tracks and saying, wow, you know, no matter what you are, if you're an engineer, uh, if you're a teacher, if, if you're a farmer, if you're a farmer, you're out there in the field, man, just look at God's beauty. Look at what he brings up from the earth. You know I mean, just marvel at God's work. I mean, I, I remember driving from from uh, from Ohio to California. I've I've never drove through drove through all these states, especially in the Midwest, like that, and um, one cornfield after another on the rolling hills, and it just captivated me, Rob. And it was just I remember stopping. There was one. There was a rainbow off there and to the left. I remember stopping, just thinking, man, this is God's beauty, God's beauty. Nothing like seeing God's earth come to life on rolling hills. The vines we have in Napa and Sonoma, the vineyards on rolling hills. Marvel. God's beauty. You know, and yeah, we have to plant that stuff so that it can come up. But you want to know what? We are cooperating with God's beauty when we do that. You know, and that's this is the stuff of this is the, the, the stuff of what it means when Paul talks about. Yeah, we have reasons to believe in God. Yeah, uh, I I know plenty of farmers, and you're not going to find a lot of atheists in in the agricultural community. Yeah, yeah. They, they 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 see that beauty of God on a on a daily basis from the seed coming into the sprout, coming into the corn stalk. They have to put their trust in God. Yeah, they yeah. are totally dependent upon Him because if that rain doesn't come, if that sun doesn't shine, that crop doesn't come up. Yeah, and uh, Again, these these are all just invitations to contemplate what you believe, why you believe, why is that here? Why does that do that? And if we do that detective work, it's going to lead us back to God. Yeah, and that's so necessary, Rob, because as we've said, new questions lead to, to, to new beginnings. In the absence of an inquiry, you're not going to come to an understanding of it. God will work in your life, and you can be a saint without an understanding of you know, St. Thomas Aquinas' five ways or invitations or proofs or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Not saying that, but there's something exciting about God. Remember the word mystery in the Greek mysterion means inexhaustible reality. This isn't something that should be intimidating as much as something that should be exciting. You know, to continue to plumb the depths of the greatness of God. I think we're out of time, Rob. Let's wrap up in prayer. Right. <laughs> Thanks again. It's a good program. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And God. been listening to Seeds of Truth. 
heard every evening from 6.30 to 7 p.m. right here on KKXX. If you have questions or feedback, you may email Joe at J-H-O-L-L-J-M-J at yahoo.com. For a copy of today's program, visit joeholcraft.org or call KKXX during regular business hours at 894-7325. Thanks for listening to the Seeds of Truth on KKXX.